Thanks for tuning in to the New Life South Coast podcast. We want to extend an invitation to sit in live with us during our weekend service. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message inspires you, but also challenges you in your walk with God. For more information, visit our website at newlifesouthcoast.com. Now here's Pastor Marco with an encouraging word. If you have your Bibles today, I'm going to be in John chapter 15. I want to talk to you today. I love this title. I'm going to call this message landscaping Jesus, landscaping Jesus. We're going to talk a little bit about landscaping this morning because Jesus is into landscaping. I found out doing research this week on this message. John 15 verses 1 through 5. Are you there? If you're not there, there's a giant Bible behind me because we like big Bibles and we cannot lie. We love big Bibles. We want everybody to get the Bible. John 15, verses 1 through 5 says, this is Jesus' word. It's in red. must be Jesus. Um, the Bible says, I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes. You want to circle that word. He prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned. And purified by the message I've given you, remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can't do nada, zip, nothing. Everything you do is noise if you're not doing it in Jesus. Can you say amen? You know the saying, the grass always looks greener somewhere else. You familiar with that saying? I'm here to tell you that in my neighborhood, that's a true statement. My neighbors' grass are much better than mine, for sure. Like some of my neighbors' grass, you just want to lay on and just take a nap. Like... My neighbors are experts when it comes to their grass, beautiful grass, to the point that I feel indirectly convicted that I need to take care of my grass. Like, like once in a while, I just drive down my neighborhood just to scout the grass and come back home and I feel guilty like, yo, what, the way my grass is set up and my neighbor's grass is so much better than mine. So, so I'm not, I'm not jealous, I'm guilty. Here's why I'm not jealous, because I don't like grass. I honestly don't, you know, like the whole thing about grass to me is overrated. You know, I wish I could just like asphalt the whole thing, like for real. I want to be that guy in my neighborhood, they're like, where's the grass? I don't like grass. But I feel like my neighbors are judging me indirectly. I feel like they drive by and go, that's your grass game? Like, for real, I feel judged by my neighbors. I have great neighbors, but I think when it comes to my grass, they're not very happy with it. Because they actually enjoy landscaping. How many of you guys actually enjoy landscaping? See, you're the guys that make me feel guilty. And that's not a bad thing. That's your thing. And, 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 and there's a couple of them. It's like, man, what else can you add to your grass? Like, I just saw them yesterday picking up more stuff. I'm like, what else can you do with it? It looks beautiful. It's lush and beautiful and green, you know, and it's almost like blue, you know, like it's amazing how your grass is. What else can you actually 
do with it. Now, here's the thing. You know, I don't, I don't like grass because I, I think I don't like what it takes to have nice grass. I'm preaching already. Right? I think it takes work to have a nice lawn. Right? I think it takes a lot of work because I see it. And the way my life's set up, I don't have the time and the energy and the effort or even the passion to be putting that much time into my grass. I just, I, I do the elementary. I cut it. Right? For them, that's like, that's, you're in elementary school. For them, they, they got PhDs in, in grass. I'm, I mean, I'm in first grade of grass. I just, I just cut it. That's all I do. You know, but I know it's a lot of work. And so, it, it, so I, I was convicted by this. I'm like, do I not like grass or don't like the work to have a nicer grass? Are you following? Because according to Jesus here, God is a gardener. Like God sees us as his landscape project. God says, man, I want you to produce much fruit. And in order for me to produce, for you to produce much fruit, I got to do some gardening on you. I got to do some landscaping on you. And, 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 and what I find fascinating is God is as excited about your life as my neighbors are excited about their grass. Like God sees the potential of your landscaping. God, God sees what you can become. God sees all the fruits that you can have, and, 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 and he's not satisfied with just having mediocre grass. He's not satisfied with just allowing you to just kind of coast by. You know, God is not into, you know, going on your own pace kind of a thing. He's like, God's like, man, I got work to do because I see the potential in you. Can you say amen? See, he compares us to a grapevine. Why a grapevine? Because in, the, in, in Israel, the Jewish tradition, grapevines were everywhere. And they were a symbol of actually prosperity. Because the more grape you have, the more wine you can produce. And wine for them was a symbol of blessing and prosperity in their lives. And God's saying, I want you to be blessed. And I want you to prosper in life. But in order for me to do that, I have to do some landscaping. Did you catch that? He said, those who produce, I have to prune so they can do what? Produce even more. Right? God is into you becoming a productive person. Can you say amen? amen? God wants his people to be fruitful. Right? And he actually said this. He said, you will, people will know that you follow me by what you produce. Wow. Like, they won't know that you follow me because you said so. They're like, they'll know you follow me because of what you produce. Right? It's one thing to say I'm a Christian. It's another thing to produce what a Christian looks like. Hello, somebody. Are you following so far? Right? And so he says, listen, I want my followers to be known by their fruits. Right? How do you know it's a grapevine? Because it produces grapes. If it produces apple, it's not a grapevine. If it produces oranges, it's not a great vine. He's saying, no, no, the actual fruits of the tree will say what the tree is all about. Are you following? Are you tracking? Right? In order for us to be fruitful and productive, he must do some landscaping in our lives. We must go through the process of pruning, if you're taking notes. Because Jesus loves you as much as my neighbor loves their grass. You don't get nice lawn without doing some pruning without doing some digging 
without removing some weeds. Are you, are you tracking with me? Like you don't get it. Because here's the thing about pruning. It's not fun, but it's necessary. No one likes a pruning process. But everybody loves the result of a pruning process. Everybody wants the result. Nobody wants to go through the process to get the results. Everybody will look at your life and say, wow, I love the final product. But you got to tell them, what did it take to get to the final product? And the reality is, it's not final product yet because God's not done pruning yet. Are you tracking? See, when you're going through a pruning process, it might hurt, but it's not time to quit. A lot of times I see people on the verge of breakthrough, but because God's removing some weeds and taking care of some stuff, they begin to feel like, oh, something is wrong. Let me tell you today, a sign that something is actually right is how it hurt in you to get you to be a better place in life. I get concerned with people who think that God is only God when things are good. Matter of fact, we really know God when things are not good. Because it's easy to follow God when things are good. But God, he's a God of process. He knows what he can get out of you. He knows what he built you to be. And he knows you don't get there without some pruning. It's not time to quit. It's not time to hang back. It's actually a time to embrace it. To say, Lord, you know the past, the present, and the future. Therefore, if I'm in this moment, it's for a reason. Because all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord. The problem is, people get this close to breakthrough, but because it hurts, they don't never see the other side of this thing. We see people get close to it and then move back. Listen. If it's hot in the kitchen, hang in there because you're about to get a meal. You can't eat if you don't cook it. Unless you're a vegan. That's another story for another time. The pruning is for your own good. If you're taking notes today, what is pruning? Pruning is the process of cutting off and taking away some things. In order for you to produce more. That's the point of pruning. Right? He said unfruitful branches and weeds that will, that will cause infection on the vine needs to be pruned away. So that you may be able to bear more fruit. Fruitful branches are cut back to promote growth. It's actually for growth that God will prune you. So yet you may be able to say, look, how much more has God done in my life? See, pruning, if you're taking notes, is a discipline to strengthen character and faith. The Bible goes as far as saying, if you find yourself in the middle of some, some trials and tribulations, you should rejoice. Because he said, the process of a trial and a tribulation will produce perseverance, and perseverance will produce character, and character is what is priceless. No one can take your character away. They may take your job, they may take your stuff, but you can't take your person away. Pruning is a discipline. And today, I want to show you from scriptures that this is a spiritual principle, not just in in, 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 in the lawn, but also in the life. Like Jesus takes examples from nature to say that's how God operates on you as well. Because he created all of it. 
right? And so what needs to be pruning? Well, if you're taking notes, anything in your life that's holding you back from producing more, God wants to prune. Anything in your life that's keeping you from producing more, God wants to prune so that you may produce even more fruits. Can you say amen? Amen. Pruning begins in the mind. I found this fascinating doing research this week that they say your brain has a pruning process. Did you know that? They said as you are growing up, your brain goes through a pruning process because there are extra neurons in your brain and your brain is trying to figure out, okay, what, is, that, what needs to stay and be strengthened and what needs to be taken away so that you may be able to be a productive person. And, and parents, the research shows, it says this is why it's important from early age to introduce your kids to as many educational things as possible. Because their brain is so small developing, your brain is trying to figure out, okay, what should I latch on to? And what should I let go? My goodness, that would preach. Right? That your, even your brain is going through a pruning process so that you may be able to be a more productive person. So if you feed your kids all the wrong things, your brain is not good or bad, it's what you feed it. So think about this. Before they had labs, before they had these places to do those researches, the Bible tells you already you should renew your mind. Come on. Bible written over 2,000 years ago tells you this in Romans. It says this, look, don't copy the behavior and customs of the world. But let God transform you into a new person. By changing the way you think because life happens in the mind. Right? Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. My goodness, the Bible is extremely relevant. Right? We're thinking we're coming up with some fascinating things today. The Bible is like, no, y'all are just confirming what I've, we've been saying all along. That your brain has a pruning process. So the question is, what am I feeding my brain on a regular basis? Because it's going to latch on to whatever I feed it. Right? And so he says, don't let the behavior of this world, like in other words, just because something is normal in society, it doesn't mean that's God's will for you. Just because people have embraced certain things, it doesn't mean that's God's will for your life. And so you got to discern. But how are you going to discern if you're not feeding your mind the word of God? You're just going to go with what the world is doing. And this is where the rubber meets the road. Are we going to be God's people? Are we just going to be people that went to a building and pretend to be God's people? Because God's people will renew their minds. God's people will be able to see through a lie. Because they know, wait a minute, that's what the world says, but the word says this. Right? We are a people of biblical values, not worldly values. The only way we're going to be people of biblical values is if our minds are being fed the word of God. This is why a lot of people are conflicted in church because they go to a building on the weekend, but then they live the entire day, week on the worldly values. Are you ever going to see the will of God if you're not processing the right neurons that are being fed in your mind? Your mind's not good or bad. It's what you're feeding it. You feed your mind negativity, you produce negativity. You feed your mind holiness, you will produce holiness. It's all about what you're feeding your mind. Are you, are you, are you following the pruning process begins in your mind. The Bible doesn't stop there. It says it starts in your mind, but then it goes into your attitude. How's your daily attitude? Your attitude is a byproduct of what you think. You ever meet people, they're always mad. Don't elbow anybody. 
You ever meet people, no matter how much you try to give them a positive thing, they always flip it to negative? Yeah, but every time someone says that, you're like, oh, there's nothing I can say. Let's be honest. Some people walk in here, there's nothing we can say to change their mind. Their mind's already made up. Doesn't matter what you say some people, their mind's already made up. If your mind's already made up, then you're never going to see what God wants to do in your life. Because God works in unconventional ways. God might help you, might, might call you to do some things that makes absolutely no sense. Right? That's why giving is such a powerful thing. God says you want to be blessed, then be a giver. The world says, wait, that doesn't compute. Why doesn't it compute? Because your neurons, the world of neurons says, no, it's about me, myself, and I. How can that absolutely, how can I help? Makes no sense. Right? He says, he says, it is more blessed to give than to receive. But your whole feeding process is give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. My name is Jimmy. Like, how am I ever going to see the will of God? There's attitudes, there's behavior that's contrary to God's will. Everybody says God is love, right? And because God is love, he allows everything. Have you ever been a parent? Do you love your children? Do you allow them to do anything because you love them? Because you love them, you don't allow them to do everything because of love. Because of love. But where do we get these ideas from? When our minds are not renewed by the word of God, then we get all the wrong philosophies of who God is. But when you read scriptures, it might tell you some things that doesn't align itself with what you think it is. Let's be real. Sometimes my mind that is not renewed by God will contradict the word of God. And sometimes the word of God contradicts my mind. Do you ever find yourself in this dilemma? Where your reasoning contradicts the word and the word contradicts your reasoning. What do you do in those moments? If you are a child of God, you do what you should do, which is submit both to God. Because God created the word and the reasoning. And if you can submit both of them, if you can surrender both of them, then you can see what is good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. Problem is we don't surrender. We fight. And so we find ourselves clashing. My mind is telling me this. But my body, (laughs) she's up in the closet. You guys know what I'm talking about? Any R. Kelly fans up in here? Right? That's the dilemma. Right? A mind that is not renewed will go in the closet or come out of the closet. It depends on how you're trying to figure this thing out. You got to make up your mind. Are you going to be a person of God or are you going to be conflicted by the things the world is trying to feed you? Because the Bible says it starts in the mind and it leads to attitudes, it leads to behavior. And there's lifestyles that God's like, I got to prune that if you're going to be more productive. I got to prune some things if you're going to really see the will in my life. Let me give you another example. Again, my heart is to show you the word of God. And my prayer is that you let the word of God wash over your mind. Watch this in Colossians chapter 3. Paul says this, he says, look, there's some things that God wants to prune, but you got to be open to the pruning process. See, look, are you you, you following? Are you there? Colossians chapter 3, beginning with verse 5. I'd like you to see it in your Bibles, if you can, so you don't think I'm making this up. Colossians 3, 
Okay. Look, the Bible says, so put to death the sinful, earthly things lurking within you. You don't have to go out there. It's within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. Now, here's the key. You used to do these things when your life was still part of the world. But now, but God, it's time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature. And all is wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. That's the point of Christianity. That's the goal. That's the goal. The goal is to become like him. It's to become less like the world. It's to become more like him. That's the process that God is trying to take all of us through. That's the pruning process that he's trying to take all of us through. Removing the weeds. Removing anything that he knows like this is just holding you back. My research shows that if you don't prune a tree, a tree will eventually die. Because it can't overcome all of the infections that's taking place without pruning. Are you following? Matter of fact, I think one of the reasons why my lawn is not that great, I got some dead stuff going on. But I'd rather focus on the dead stuff going on in my heart than to focus on a lawn that's going to be gone at some point. I'd rather have a beautiful heart than to have a beautiful lawn. I can have both, though. That'd be nice, too, if I could, if I could have both. Look, the Bible goes on to say, listen, there's, there's some things that need to be pruning. It's, 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 it's in the mind. It's in the attitude. It's in the behavior. It's in the lifestyle. But then it's also in relationships. The Bible says there are some relationships that's holding you back from being the full you. Can I prove it to you? Here's what scripture says. It says, look, bad company corrupts good character. It says there are some relationships that's holding you back. Some people come to church, they're all excited about it, and then they go right back into a weed, infectious lawn. That's a choice that we're all going to have to make. Right? Now... The question that I usually get when I talk about this, people say, aren't we all sinners? Absolutely. Every single one of us is jacked up. (laughs) More the reason for me to be aware of who I'm hanging out with because jacked up will produce jacked up. but, but, But the Bible goes on to say that iron will sharpen iron. And so who I'm hanging out with is going to determine some of the things that's going to come out of me. The question, follow-up question today is people say, aren't we supposed to reach sinners? Of course we are supposed to reach sinners, but you can't reach people that you're looking like. Why should anyone come to church with you when you guys talk the same, act the same, believe the same, do the same exact things? What's the difference? It's when your life is producing some things different that they're going to say, what is it that you have that I don't have? Yes, sir. We should clap for that. I'm with you. Come on, let's not kid ourselves. If we're not producing the right fruits, why should someone say, hey, I want that? Right? Right? If someone invests in a business and that business tank, do you invest too? Right? If Aaron comes around, would you invest? (laughs) You guys don't know why Aaron? Okay. 
2008. Um, no, you invest in things you know is going to produce something. Right? And so bad company corrupts character. Therefore, I don't want to be in certain relationships that's just going to hold me back. The Bible says that you shouldn't be unequally yoked. Why? Because it's not going to produce the right results you want. Are you tracking? So there's some pruning that needs to take place. And what's the point? What's the outcome of pruning? The outcome of pruning is actually really powerful. The things that God will produce out of you, if you, can, if you can stay in the kitchen and let him cook up some things in you and remove some things out of you, man, you will become an amazing person. Can I prove it to you? Again, the scripture shows us the outcome of pruning. First outcome of pruning is more of the Holy Spirit in you. The Bible tells you this, look, that the Holy Spirit produces, produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy. Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Isn't that what we want? Isn't that what we want? Right? He says, if you make room for me, watch what I'll produce out of you. How many know you can't produce patience? The more you try, the more miserable you become. How many know the last time you prayed, God, give me patience, was the worst day of your life? Because God's not going to give you patience. God's going to put you in situations to bring patience out of you, to produce patience out of you. And did you notice all those fruits are tied up by the last one, self-control. Just because I have certain urges doesn't mean I'm supposed to go by any urge that comes over me. Why are some people out in church this morning? Because they had the urge to stay in bed. No lack of self-control. Right? Self-control is the key if we're going to have healthy relationships. Right? Because it's not, I don't, I, I, I don't know, it's more like, no, this is not beneficial for my relationships. God wants to produce love, joy. No, we're going to do this series, God wants you to be happy. Everybody wants to be happy. But who wants to go through the process of actually being happy? Most people will settle for a moment of happiness as opposed to a lifestyle of happiness. That's the reality. Every weekend, someone says, I'm going to go be happy. And then come back and say, I'll never do that again. <laughs> there's moments, and then there's lifestyles. There's love, and then there's lust. It's not the same thing. Right? There's getting high, and then there's living in peace. It's not the same thing. Right? So this, this is like, man, I'm for you. This is what people have to understand. God's like, now I'm for you. But in order for me to get here, I got to remove some things that's holding you back from all this stuff. Not only does he want to produce that, he says, I want to produce my character in you. God wants you to look like him. Think like him. Act like him. Watch this. In Peter, he says this about the fruits. He says, in view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promise. Be honest with you. Most people don't respond. They hear, but they don't respond. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence. And moral excellence with knowledge. And knowledge with self-control. And self-control with patience, endurance. And patient endurance with godliness. And godliness with brotherly affection. And brotherly affection with love for everyone. The more, watch this, the more you grow like this, the more, you see that word? Productive and useful. I don't know how you pray, but you know what I pray every day? God, I want to be useful. 
you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Some people go to church, but they're not useful. You ever meet people that are really good, but they don't do anything? They're good for nothing? God wants you to be good to produce and be useful. Can you say amen? amen. We're not sure about this. Some of y'all are like, the way my weeds are set up. Um, Okay. I'll high five myself. The outcome, my friends, is that Jesus, if I could do one thing over and over again, if I could do one thing as a pastor over and over again, is say that Jesus didn't come to start a religion. He came to make people that look like him. That's why churches don't work. It's religious. People don't go out there and say, I'm going to be like Jesus. We shouldn't be begging people to serve the city if our hearts are being transformed by Jesus. Because it's not charity. It's not charity. It's being like Jesus. Jesus didn't go to the cross going, oh, I feel bad for you guys. We don't feel bad for people. Feeling bad is not compassion. Compassion has the word action in it. Feeling bad is looking at something that looks terrible and then go back to your couch. Compassion is seeing something and saying, Lord, I need to do something about this. I need to make a difference in this area. That's compassion. So that's the heart of this whole thing. At the end of the day, he's saying, I want you to be like me. I want you to live like me. That's the point of Christianity. That's the, that's the whole point. And this is how he ends this thing. Look, Jesus said this. Look, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify, identify people by their actions. In other words, don't tell me you're a Christian. Show me you're a Christian. Don't give me cute Facebook posts. Live those cute Facebook posts. That's Christianity. That's the whole point. But the thing with pruning... It requires self-reflection. It requires honesty. I share this on Wednesday night. Some, some of the reasons why people don't come to church is that they don't see honesty. They see plastic. We put on a church face. But we don't show people that we have struggles and it's real. That all of us are on a journey. All of us are trying to figure this thing out. And the more we try to make this Christianese thing, you know, the more we lace it with glory to God, thank you, Jesus, the more fake it looks. I think people are looking for honest, real encounters that will actually change their lives. It takes reflection. And I'm going to end with a reflection prayer in the Bible. This is something that, if you're serious about Jesus, this is something that we do often. Because pruning seasons come and go. God doesn't prune you once. God's constantly pruning us because he knows we can produce more and we can be more. So this is a prayer in scriptures that I highly encourage you. If you're serious about Jesus, this is what it takes, right? Here's what the, the prayer says. It says, search me, O God. Know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. What a powerful prayer. What an honest prayer. Lord, 
Search my heart. Because that's where the weeds grow. It's in the heart. This is a daily, weekly, monthly reflection. There's not a day that I don't go and say, God, search my heart. When I'm done here today, I will go through it. Lord, during that message, what did I say that I shouldn't have said? What do I need to correct? Because I'm serious about following Jesus. I'm not going to be a religious preacher. I want to be a follower of Jesus. I'm praying that we develop a church of people who are serious about Jesus. We say, Lord, whatever it takes, I don't want to be the same. Because what does the world do? The world doesn't say point out anything that offends me. The world is offended. Instead of getting better, we get offended. We don't want anyone to point out anything that's going to remotely lead to change. So what do we do? That's offensive. Everything is offensive. Is there anything that's not offensive anymore? Next thing you know, they'll tell you, stop breathing. That's offensive to me. Anything that leads to change, people want to reject. But everybody wants change. That's the funny thing. You heard the saying, everybody wants to go to heaven, but no one wants to die. Everybody wants to buy product, but they don't want the, 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 the process to get there. To actually become who God calls us to be. That's the challenge, church. Are we willing to be honest with God to say, here I am. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Search me, Lord. But just don't leave me the same. Just don't leave me the same. One of my favorite prayers in the Bible is a blind man. He said, just don't pass me by. He cried out, Jesus. Son of God, please don't pass me by. What an honest prayer. Like, I don't want to stay here, God, in my blindness. Because blindness is not just eyesight. Blindness is in attitudes and mindsets and lifestyles. I'm sticking here. You ever hear people say, this is just the way I am. Good news is you can be born again. You don't have to stay the same. Let's go. So would you stand with me? I want to pray for you as we close today. Leave that prayer up for me, please. I want to pray this prayer over us. Search me, O oh God. Know my heart. Test me. Know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Everlasting life means eternity. You know, eternity is a long time. It goes on forever. Do you know some people would rather hold on to something that's temporary as opposed to let it go and embrace eternity? Sad. Some people would rather stick with something that's killing them as opposed to let it go so they can be free from it. I pray that's not us. But this whole thing begins when you surrender your life to Jesus. When you say, Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm tired of trying to take care of my own lawn. It's not working. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray? Thanks for joining us today. If you want to connect with us, you can find us at newlifesouthcoast.com for any further information.